You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I describe the market for used outdoor recreation products. We talk about how the secondhand market affects consumer demand for new products, how brands can leverage an understanding of their product's life cycle to ensure they have lifelong customers, and how we hope to soon have the ability to describe the size of the secondhand market. Let's get into it. Hey, so so let me ask you this. Secondhand? Secondhand. What are we going to talk about secondhand? Have you, Kelly Davis, Yeah. Director of Research at the Outdoor Industry Association. Is that your title? Yeah, yeah, one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you purchased secondhand outdoor rec equipment in the last couple of years? Mm. We might not be the best. God, you um, know, I, I've bought one a, folks I, for this, but I bought a lot we of get, stuff yeah. used secondhand. Well, I got the helmet at the pros closet. So maybe, I don't there know. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think that might be. I new. think it's new. I think that helmet's yeah. new. I don't think they do secondhand helmets. I don't think so. I, I don't once, think I once you. I just didn't care. Once you bonk, it's it's kind of spent. It's a MIPS. I don't think it's I, all my helmets are MIPS. I don't, I don't think that that thing's ever been on anybody else's head. And yeah. if it was on somebody's head, it was a child. <laughs> because once again, I have a tiny, tiny head. It's amazing. I can yeah. form a sentence. But yeah, I think um, I have not. I have not purchased any any used gear that I can think of other than that. But I bought a whole. Yeah. Uh, I bought a shit ton of new gear. Yeah, I, the setup I, I was hoping for. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, you know, and I haven't sold anything secondhand either. But we're not talking about us. We're talking about the market. So it's okay. we're talking about the market. Yeah, yeah. We're always talking about the market. It's we're never talking about us. Yeah. So secondhand products. <laughs> what do we mean? Like use stuff. Use stuff. Use stuff from. Man. Yeah. Well, but but to like actually define it, use stuff from a person you know, or use stuff from a marketplace like Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or eBay, or use stuff from a uh, from a shop. Like there's plenty of shops in bike and in snow sports. I'd imagine and in all sorts of outdoor rec industries that would have used gear. Um, even if it's like uh, demos and rentals and, and things that are being retired and are and are going secondhand um, that weren't like owned by an individual, but are used gear that you're buying. There's tons and tons of ways that customers can access lightly used or moderately used or even heavily used equipment um, <laughs> at a discounted rate as opposed to buying a new product. And as uh, you know, we talked in an earlier episode about direct to consumer and sort of how information being more easily accessible through the internet and social media and everything uh, has allowed for the rise of brand direct relationships. So too has all that information opened up our ability to buy secondhand products more easily and access folks from across the US or across the world who have a used thing that we want to get, make a transaction and then ship it. I can have it in no time. Yeah, I, I hate to take away from your serious tone, but I got to tell everybody this. Every time we have this conversation, Macklemore's <laughs> thrift shop just pops into my head. We'll see if we can tag it. I'm gonna hear it all day. We certainly don't have the budget for it, but I'll let you sing it. No, I'm not I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna quote a line. And it's uh you know when you when you ask me what secondhand means, it's a moccasin somebody else has been walking in. You know, it's just basically something that's been used before, whether it's an individual and you know then we talk about mode of sales and that with eBay, we've got Craigslist, we've got Facebook marketplace, we've got yard sales. I'm still having yard 
sales in my neighborhood. Yard sales. Yeah, and, they're and everywhere I'm, in my neighborhood. I buy bikes at yard sales all the time. And then I clean them up and give them to kids. It's a different thing. But I love it. I love secondhand. And I was a fourth of four kids. So secondhand is pretty much new to me. <laughs> yeah. I never Man, owned a new funny. car. Not even one time have I ever owned a new car. Once. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's I think the market is is huge. And sometimes like when there's supply chain disruptions, like we just under underwent for a couple of years, you can find what you're looking for. And maybe it's slightly used, you know, maybe someone's yeah. been walking in it lightly for a little while. But in the past two years, I've found it to be a, a, a pretty amazing place if you're looking for something really specific. Yeah. So, so that's a good point. So let's say there's supply chain disruptions in mid 2020 and all of a sudden you, Kelly, a consumer, aren't able to find the whatever you're looking for, the the electric fat bike you're looking for, but you can find it used, right? So right. so the, the question that I would arrive at if I was a brand or if I was a dealer is like, why do I care about secondhand? I sell new stuff. Well, again, you know, kind of going back to some of the points we made in that direct-to-consumer podcast episode, the customer is going to tell you exactly what they want and how they want to buy it. And this is a case of customers really driving a trend. And if I have a price point I'm trying to hit and I have a particular product that I am looking for, I'm going to, I'm going to be tenacious in how I access it. And secondhand is a great option for being able to find exactly what I want and spend however, you know, the, the exact amount of money I want so that I can have the experience I want. I agree. Well, I'll just give you an example. Over the past four years, I've been thinking, you know, it's probably time for me to get a new mountain bike. And um, right around the time I decided I was, I was ready to do it. The pandemic hit. I mean, literally. Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was going to buy a bike for, for my birthday in February. I do buy myself birthday gifts, by the way. It's very nice of me. Heck yeah, treat yourself. Right? And so I was thinking about it and, and I and I started looking for the bike I wanted. I didn't really know which bike. And this, we're not talking electric. We're talking about just a regular yeah. old mountain bike here. I was thinking, you know, I want this specific thing. And I I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't find it. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just, you know, if I could just find it, you know, maybe yet last year's model, that'd be great. I could just go with that. And I still couldn't find it. So what I ended up doing is buying a, a new Eagle Grupo. And, you know, I still haven't put it on the bike. <laughs> it really sucks. But the idea was I was going to Franken bike because I just couldn't find what I was looking for. Yeah. And and I think some, you know, I think I knew a lot of people that did that too, or they just, they couldn't get something new. So they decided to upgrade with maybe some used gear. Maybe they got a new a new wheel set or maybe just a slightly used pair of skis, yeah. something like that. Just, you know, just, just um, you know, sort of hold them over because they couldn't find what they wanted. So it was in addition to just buying something like basically whole, you could actually mm-hmm. kind of piece together things and get it close to what you want, actually for a lot cheaper. I mean, would I rather, would I've rather spent $6,000 on a brand new bike or, you know, basically I dropped about six fifty dollars on the Grupo that I sure. still, again, is still sitting out of my That's work. That's okay. Page. That's okay. So in that example, you, um, you substituted that like upgraded componentry, um, or you were trying to substitute a secondhand product for the purchase of that uh, new product because you just couldn't find it, right? And yeah, so like, exactly. if we're thinking about the the, the possible answers to a, a brand asking the question, like, why do I care about secondhand? It's because a customer wants what they want. And if they can't get it from you, they're going to get it secondhand. Um, and it's not like, it's not that a customer is someone who fits into this like silo of I buy used. 
they fit into this like broad category of this is what I want. And I have a lot of different ways I can access it. And if I can buy it new, great. But if I'm more price sensitive or if I'm um, maybe not sure that I want to keep it as long and so I want to like buy a low and then sell it secondhand again and sort of have this like low investment in it, maybe maybe that's how I interact with the product. Yeah, that's there's a lot of reasons why brands ought to care about this. And, and um, I think that's a great example of one. But yeah, to go back to... To go back to your purchase of a group set as opposed to a new bike, we saw a lot of that during the pandemic. We saw riders that weren't able to find the new bike they wanted. And so they just purchased a new group set or they purchased like some sort of upgraded componentry or saddles or wheels or whatever it is, all kinds of fun accessories and packs and stuff to make their old bike feel like a new experience. Yeah. When it's tough to find what you want, you're going to get creative. I was, I decided that the the best way for me to go would be new Grupo because I still had the old setup with two chain rings on the front. You don't even need a front derailleur anymore. That's nice. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what I was after. I was after that ratio and it's just after the, the more simplified version of, of a drivetrain was really looking for something just, you know, to make me feel like the bike was new. So I bought a dropper post and it turns out that I never needed to drop her post and I rarely use it, which is just sad. Oh, well, I mean, mostly because I ride okay. like, I don't ride like I'm made of Tupperware anymore. But, you know, I understand like, <laughs> you know, one mistake could mean like, you know, years of pain basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did, I, what I looked at was, okay, what, what am I looking for this new bike to do for me? And I kind of mm-hmm. do that with a lot of products. And I think a lot of customers do too. So when they think, okay, what is it that, what upgrade or what is it that this new product is going to do for me, the old product either stopped doing or never did. And yeah. um, and I answered that, I was able to answer that question as a customer in a different way. And I was forced into, ask, in, into answering those questions in a different way, simply because I couldn't get the, my hands on the product that I really wanted. So I, I would guess that, and it's only a hypothesis, we'll have to look mm-hmm. at the data as, as we move past this pandemic. I wonder if my behavior isn't completely changed, even though, you know, as I'm older, I have more spare time, I have more disposable income. And ironically, I just get more, you know, thrifty Mm -hmm. (laughs) as time goes on. But that's just, that's, that's me. I want to see if, if other consumers have learned to do the same thing when maybe they didn't before, maybe it's just like, I'll just buy something new. Or if their ideas about sustainability might drive the secondhand market. I have a, I think we need to talk about that. I have this idea for a shop. I have this idea for a shop in my hometown. And I think the name's already taken. I could call it Upcycled Frederick, but Upcycled. And the idea behind upcycling is that you take something old and it's not secondhand. You actually improve it. Yeah. And and it becomes something better and something hip and something cool. And as you know, the ideas around sustainability and, you know, our efforts, what we can do to mitigate climate change become more and more important, especially among younger generations. I think this is a trend that could stick around because, you know, we've kind of we've looked down our nose at secondhand for a long time. Right. Yeah. And we said and and maybe we even did 20 minutes ago, but I <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty sure that the secondhand market is going to gain steam not only because it's something that customers learned to do during the pandemic mm-hmm. and and we've always known how to use secondhand stuff. Come on, we've always done it. But I think that the pandemic pushed people in new directions that way, and the idea that 
recycling you know, is, is a great way to, to be more sustainable, to consume yeah. more sustainably. And I mean, we can never forget that, that letter um, in, in Patagonia's catalog that year. I can't, I, I don't even remember what, I remember reading it and going, holy shit. It was a letter from Yvonne Chouinard. And I probably still have that catalog around here somewhere that said, don't buy this. And I was like, what the hell? And, and I predicted then and it was right that their sales were going to skyrocket because of it. Mm-hmm. That was right around the time that we were, you know, we were shaking our fists at having to work on Black Friday and having anybody have to work on Black Friday because consumerism has just gone rabid, you know, yeah. and I, the only thing that we care about is what stuff do you got? And I don't think that's true. I think that we've been trying, they've been trying to drive us. And when I say they, I mean, those evil people in the marketing department have been driving us <laughs> to shop <laughs> more and earlier and, and to buy worse shit for people during the holidays than we ever have. But I think it's, I think this is going to become an, not only are we going to look at it as just a different part of the market. I think that this is a is a burgeoning part of the market for yeah. a lot of different reasons. I love that you brought up sustainability. I had that note written down on uh, on my notepad here too, and um, and also wrote down Subaru because I I dig that in a lot of commercials Subaru will say there's more you know there's there's this huge number of Subarus that are still on the road now like ten years after they were originally sold because they maintain their value and they. Um, the, the product itself is of such a quality that 10 years down the road, it's still a quality product. Um, and understanding how other products within our like outdoor rec industries are being used five years, 10 years, 15 years, maybe after their initial sale, how many like different life cycles it's gone through is important for a brand to to understand so that we can like figure out how that like brand image is portrayed in the secondhand market too. Like I think that's huge. If I sell a product that I know my initial like avid outdoor rec participants going to use for 10 years and then whatever, give to their kids, give to their friends or family members or sell secondhand. I want to be assured that it's still like represents what I think our brand represents. You know, it, it, it maintains that quality instead of being some disposable product that you use for a certain amount of time. And then it just like goes into the heap and it's trash or it just sits in the garage forever until you, you finally take it all to the dump or whatever. Understanding that that whole product life cycle is key, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, you know, durability might become one of those brand qualities that consumers will be looking for and be looking for authentically. And, you know, there, there have been a lot of discussions about durability, especially in in things like appliances. But when you think about it in bikes, you think about it in all of our outdoor equipment. I mean, durability has to be one of the qualities that you look for in outdoor gear. I'm not sure that that we always have, but durability means that we can not only reuse, we can repurpose at the end. We can take the, the product and break it down and do something new with it. Yeah. The term I was looking for a minute ago was planned obsolescence, ah, this planned sort of like this intentional um, disposability of a product where we want someone to use it for a fixed amount of time. And then we want it to be so bad that they're forced to like purchase a new product. And I, I think customers in, in markets that have a lot of opportunity to like find different products from different companies that offer a similar experience are not really digging planned obsolescence because you want something that's going to last for a long time. And you want to know that, you know, if I ride this bike for five years and I really get into whatever type of single track mountain biking, maybe I want to upgrade and I want to be able to sell this for um, at least enough money to help me like get that next level up. 
Yeah, agreed. I mean, that's why I like fixing up old twin stingray bikes. Those bikes mm-hmm. are so damn durable. And, you know, you, just, yeah. you, you take them out, you take the bearings out, regrease them. As long as everything is still there, you can pretty much, it's simple. You can work on it. You can keep it in shape. You can buy replacement parts for it. And I, I mean, maybe that's going to be a discussion that we have in 10 years. I mean, replacement parts are going to become a thing again. Like, right now, yeah. there aren't a lot of places where you can... If for bike, a little bit different. I mean, that's one one reason why I'm glad bike technology has not has not changed dramatically. Uh, well, you know, brakes have changed. I'll give you that. But the drivetrain itself hasn't changed that much. I mean, it's still basically the same thing, and it's easy to work on. It's easy to fix. It's easy to maintain. There's no reason why bikes can't last 50 years. So once you're done with your bike, I mean, there's no reason for for bikes of any kind to end up in a landfill. We sh- there are all kinds of things we should be doing with this stuff, including, you know, I've made furniture out of bikes, for God's sakes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, our office is covered in whatever side tables that are made out of wheels and things. Well, you can see some of the art that I have. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Yay. That's cool. Yeah, you know. There, I, just, I think the idea of, of a secondhand market being something that you can not only go to for you know, stuff that you want to ride or stuff that you want to use, but you know, there might be, maybe you're an artist. Maybe you want to use it for something artistic. I have some dreams about that. Yeah. I love it. And it's not just benches made out of skis, I promise. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have a way at OIA to measure the secondhand market? This is... Um, a problem, I think, for outdoors that we don't have a method to measure this. And I think, you know, I'm one of the reasons that I love what you're doing is that you have come up with a way to measure the secondhand market. So we haven't come up with a way yet, but we're determined to find a way next year in 23 uh, for, for all the reasons we were talking about. Like it's, it's important for those brands that are selling new bikes to understand what the market for used bikes looks like and how that might affect customers appetite for a new well, bike. Well. You know, if it's been hard to find new bikes for a while, folks have been turning to used secondhand. Yeah. I think yeah. I've got some ideas about this. I've, Number one, it you know I think it would be great to build an algorithm that would measure you know sales of specific items on eBay, on Craigslist, on Facebook Marketplace, um, and maybe you know if you could get a spider to crawl around and, and look at other places where you could do that, then um, if you could get some kind of a sample and we could look at that, also data from places like, for instance, the Pro's Closet would be good to have, um, but. I'm wondering if there's another side to this. And it it struck me when you asked me that question, what, you know, have you bought any secondhand gear in the past six months? And I thought about all the things I've bought and, you know, my answer was, yeah, probably. Maybe we we should be asking, maybe we should be doing a sample since you have good sample sizes for your surveys already. Um, Maybe it's worth asking customers if they've bought used equipment and matching the data. Right. Let's look yeah. at it from both sides of the market, because, you know, one thing that we could do with a consumer panel is ask questions like, have you have you purchased or sold anything into the, you know, the secondhand market or have you upcycled? Have you recycled? Are you giving your stuff to Goodwill? Where where you give it? What, what do you where do with your go? stuff? 
I yeah. think that I think that we could probably do a really interesting job of looking that looking at that market in a way that you know not a lot of not a lot of industries have looked at that from the consumer side. Mm-hmm. That's a real time idea, man. I'm serious. Yeah, I, just I thought dig about it. that. Yeah, I, we've done a few little surveys like that, and um, and it's really top line stuff. Have you bought a bike used? Yes or no. Um, like we in the industry have these terms that we use for bikes and we we think of gravel bikes as a certain type of bike. But if someone's just interested in in paying no more than $500 for some bike with a 700C wheel and like drop bars, um, understanding which, which specific definition we use in the industry might apply to that bike, the customer doesn't really have an idea. And so it's, it's still good to sort of ground truth how many bikes are out there in circulation and how many folks are active in that secondhand market. But getting detailed information about the products is, is a little bit of a sticking point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, like many people, I have several Franken bikes, you know, that, yeah, that are, that are not set up with the componentry it came with that yeah. have all kinds of little weird customizations because I've, you know, just because I know my body and how it sits mm-hmm. on a bike. Like the, like I told you, I turned my stem around on that, on my, my Trek 2100 simply because yeah. it was made for someone with a much longer torso than mine. I mean, just little things. So yeah, it's, I think it's going to be hard to measure on both sides. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, one of the basic ideas in market research is triangulation. You, know, you don't want to be on one source of data to understand where you're positioned in the marketplace. And so, you know, the idea of doing work to research both sides of that market might give us a good idea of of where where it is and you know how much it's changed and what demographics are most likely to participate in that side of the market. Yeah. I think it might surprise us. I think the demographic data would surprise us because I don't think it's highly correlated with income. I wouldn't think so either. Yeah. I think I, and I don't know what it's most highly correlated with. Um I'm guessing probably frequency of participation, you know, maybe the frequency of the participation of your peer group. I mean, I'm looking for mm. that community aspect once again, but I think yeah. there's it's going to be really interesting to try and measure it both ways. Yeah, I love that you said that. I, I think it's important for brands to um, to consider the fact that their customers who are buying new products are probably also buying some secondhand products either in that same product category or in different product categories. But um, again, customers can't just be put in a silo of like, I buy all my stuff new or I buy all my stuff used. I think it's a big spectrum that's multidimensional and, and folks are moving all across it as they're trying different activities and hooking up with a, a group of friends that's really into a particular type of riding and they go, yeah, let me buy a secondhand whatever to see if I dig this too. Nope, not for me. Okay, well, I'm going to sell that and then get a different product in a category that I do really do enjoy and, and maybe I'm going to increase participation there. Uh, it's not as, as simple as uh, some binary indicator of it, a guy who purchases new or purchases used. No, I don't think so. And um, we'll just have to collect the data to find out. Stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned. This is this is why I love doing this work. We get to be the, maybe we're the jerks that come up with a bad hypothesis, but at least I'm going to try and prove it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It keeps cool. me, it keeps me from being too much of a jerk for very long because, you know, the data is going to come in and yeah. the data is going to tell us what exactly is going on. Not just, you know, if not just confirmation bias central, like, oh, gee, <laughs> of course I am right again. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's too funny. I don't, think, I don't think you find very many people in research that are really very lacking in magnanimity. I mean, I think we understand our faults, yeah. which is which I is a really so. good thing. Yeah. You should date a market researcher. Definitely. 
definitely. Well, you're married, so I'm married. It's too, yeah. late. it's too late for it's too late for you. You talked about dating on the last episode. You've talked about dating on this episode. I've been Kelly. thinking about I've, I've been thinking about dating because I'm thinking about post pandemic trends, mm. and I've been thinking about how dating has changed. And I think that's a key social trend to watch. How is how is dating changed? How do people interact with one another at that level? Because people are always going to seek out sex. Always, right? It's one of the main things that humans are going to seek out food. They're going to seek out sex. They're going to seek out shelter and safe. I mean, sort of Maslow's, Ellie's, Ellie's yeah. interpretation of Maslow's requisite needs. But it's, I think it's most interesting to watch human behavior at that fundamental level, especially sex seeking and food seeking, right? Because that's where you find out. That's where you see the change first. That's where you see changes in behavior first. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. I'm just going to cool. let that well, lay. I'm going to let that lay there. I think the theme of every single episode is going to be get to know your customer. Like if you have market intelligence, you're going to be better prepared to make decisions that are going to benefit you and your organization. And understanding the secondhand market plays a huge role in how brands should be operating in the uh, the market for new products. Yeah. And I'll say this in very geeky terms, but your customer has to be a unit of analysis, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're buying. You know, don't believe market research that, that look like eight-year-olds with a brand new label maker, man, because it's a lot more complex than that. And, yeah. you know, it's it's something that, that um, keeps me awake at night. Not very many things do these days. So, yay, market yay. research. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.